Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monhan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And also by Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application layering product on the market. And also by PolicyPack Software where you use group policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lock down applications, Java, browsers, mitigate ransomware, and more. If you enjoy the show each week, you have them to thank. And now for some news. This week, F5 Networks published a KB around vulnerability CVE-2020-5902, which relates to the Traffic Management User Interface also referred to as the configuration utility, which has a remote code execution vulnerability. This vulnerability allows for either unauthenticated attackers or authenticated attackers with network access to the traffic management user interface through the big IP management port and or self IPs to execute arbitrary system commands, create or delete files, disable services, and or execute arbitrary Java code. As is the case with a lot of remote code execution vulnerabilities, this vulnerability may result in complete system compromise. The big IP system in appliance mode is also vulnerable. The issue is not exposed on the data plane, only in the control plane. So if you are a big IP customer using versions 15.1.0 or 15.0.0 or 14.10 to 14.1.2 or 13.10 to 13.1.3 or 12.10 to 12.15 or 11.61 to 11.65 of those version branches then this does affect you and this vulnerability as you may expect is rated as critical It's got a full 10 score on the severity rating. F5 recommends upgrading to a fixed software version to fully mitigate this vulnerability. If you're leveraging public cloud marketplaces like AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, etc. to deploy your big IP virtual edition, F5 recommends upgrading to the latest version releases of big IP versions that are listed in a KB article that I'm referencing, and I'll share that with this episode, which is episode 131, and you'll find that on 5bytespodcast.com, so check that out for the fixed version that you'll need to upgrade to if you're affected by this. And if there's no fix available or you're not able to install the update yourself, it is possible to put in place some temporary mitigations, including some configurations on your network interfaces, self-IPs, or management interface. And that's included in the KB article too, the steps to do that. And F5 Networks weren't the only major networking vendor disclosing a serious vulnerability this week. Palo Alto Networks published CVE-2020-2021, which affects how software that runs Palo Alto Network devices implements Security Assertion Markup Language, or SAML. The vulnerability affects software that powers several Palo Alto firewalls and enterprise VPN appliances and allows attackers under certain conditions to take control of a device without needing a password. 
Obviously, in this work-from-home era of COVID-19, Global Protect VPN is pretty widely used, so this could have serious ramifications for a lot of companies. If you were to be compromised through this vulnerability, once adversaries have control over a device, they can leverage that to gain access to the rest of the network. Software updates pushed out by Palo Alto Networks Monday included a fix for the vulnerability, and alternatively, SAML could also just be disabled, which probably isn't a very good mitigation for most who rely on that. And according to those in the online InfoSec community, both of those vulnerabilities from F5 Networks and from Palo Alto should not be slept on. So this is a holiday weekend in the United States and is recommended not to rest over the holiday weekend if you have this vulnerability. You'll need to get it patched. VMware this week announced their intention to acquire Datrium, who have been selling their open converge solution since 2011. If you're not familiar with it, and I think I've covered Datrium on a few episodes of the podcast before in regards to them getting funding, but the idea of open converge is that it lends itself to a more modular build and approach than hyperconverged appliances typically do. It was a great solution for those who had existing compute nodes they want to continue to use while also bringing in some attached storage with a powerful software layer for performance optimization and disaster recovery. Based on the press releases from VMware about the acquisition, it appears the selling point is the disaster recovery piece which Datrium has been marketing more recently with demos on how they can help with ransomware attacks and more. Datrium has been offering disaster recovery with their cloud platform and already offers an end-to-end DR service in VMware Cloud on AWS. According to a recent report on IDC, disaster recovery as a service is the fastest growing segment for data protection use cases with a 4.5 billion market growing at 15% for 2019 through 2023. So I guess with that and their view on it being for disaster recovery, That makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of money out there to grab. And speaking of ransomware, a new strain has been discovered called EvilQuest, which is targeting macOS users. Like typical ransomware, it encrypts victims' files, but also installs a keylogger, a reverse shell, and can steal cryptocurrency wallet-related files from infected hosts. ZDNet reports that it is being distributed via a pirated version of music production app Ableton, DJ mixing software Mixed in Key, and also security tool Little Snitch, and likely in some other pirated software too. Remember those good old days when people believed Macs couldn't be hacked? Those were the days. Ignorance was bliss. Double disaster recovery segue here, as Microsoft have released a new command line tool which is available right now from the store that could be used to recover lost files on both local drives and USB thumb drive. In the App Store, Microsoft describes the app as follows. Quote, accidentally deleted an important file, wiped clean your hard drive, unsure what to do with corrupted data? Windows file recovery can help recover your personal data. For photos, documents, videos, and more, Windows File Recovery supports many file types to help ensure that your data is not permanently lost. Recovering from a camera or SD card? Try Signature Mode, which expands beyond NTFS recovery and caters to your storage device needs. 
Let this app be your first choice for helping to find what you need from your hard drive, SSD, USB drive, or memory card. End quote. I wonder if this is the new home for the tool that was in Dars that was part of MDOP, as MDOP seems to be getting sunsetted. It would make sense for them to salvage the file recovery tool that was part of that. Either way, it's pretty cool because MDOP, you had to be in a software assurance customer, and now it looks like this one's just available publicly on the store. The Verge have reported Microsoft will be changing the appearance of the start menu. Currently, the live tiles appear on top of solid colors. The updated start menu will display items on a transparent background instead. From the demo, which you can catch on the YouTube version of this episode, it looks a lot cleaner and easier on the eye. In what sounds like a crazy change, Alt-Tab will now also include open tabs in the new Microsoft Edge browser. So if you leave a lot of tabs open, that could become a major pain in the butt. You know, previously, you could just Alt-Tab and go between different uh, desktop applications running. Now if you have a lot of tabs open and you're trying to use Alt-Tab and you get into the browser and then you're going through all the open tabs, that would be a real pain. But regardless, both of these updates are in the latest Windows Insider build. As has been the case over the last couple of years, not everything that goes into the Insider build will make it to a final release. Like, for example, the tabs for all applications feature that I covered on the podcast previously that never quite made it. Although it did later kind of appear within the Windows terminal that's been released. And I encourage anyone who maybe has some VM space to run the Insider build and give some feedback to do so. If there's ideas that you absolutely hate, you should probably be pretty vocal about it to ensure as much as you can that it doesn't move forward. Microsoft have released emergency updates out of band to deal with two bugs in the Windows codec that can be exploited by a hacker through planted malformed images. If the malformed images are opened inside apps that utilize the built-in Windows codec library to handle multimedia content, then attackers would be allowed to run malicious code on a Windows computer and potentially take over the device. ZDNet reports that the patches have been deployed to customer systems via an update to the Windows Codex library, delivered through the Windows Store app, not Windows Update. So you do not need to take any action in order to receive the update. OnMSFT.com have reported that Microsoft has upped the limit from 15 gigs to 100 gigs of storage for OneDrive for business customers and SharePoint Online customers. This is actually something I covered on the podcast last year, but is only now being rolled out to customers. Remember that awful Citrix Netscaler vulnerability late last year? Well, Foxit, Fox-IT, not the makers of the PDF tool, I think, uh, posted a blog this week in which they shared the number of systems out there who have patched but are still vulnerable to backdoor exploits. They also shared a new single request exploit for CVE-2019-19781 that is effective even if all of the vulnerable Perl files have been deleted. The article is very detailed and really interesting. They say the goal is to highlight the issue and provide additional visibility into techniques being used in the wild, as well as dispelling a few misconceptions about the vulnerability itself and demonstrates more robust ways to detect exploit variants. 
They are encouraging organizations to ensure that their devices are not only patched, but that care is taken to ensure that latent compromises have been identified and remediated. So even if you apply the mitigation and then the fix as soon as you possibly could, it's a good idea to review this blog post and maybe look at a few things in your system to make sure no one did sneak in. In some better Citrix news, the version 2006 workspace app for Linux has been released, which brings with it optimizations for Microsoft Teams. So if you've used Skype for Business, for example, with the Citrix optimizations, it's similar to that, but for Teams. This could really be in one of the tips of the week, but Aaron Silber posted a registry setting for those using Citrix Workspace app version 2006 on Windows. So some may notice failed attempts to contact locus.analytics.cloud.com at port 443 when launching their applications. So if you're experiencing slowness, a common thing you might do is run a Wireshark, so you might see traffic going to that site. And this could be the source of slowness compared with, say, version 1912. And Aaron shared a registry change that can help prevent traffic going out to that .analytics.cloud.com site and allow for a more normal, quicker launch of your applications. So I saw on Twitter this week there were a couple of Microsoft surveys that have gone out and they were shared by some Microsoft employees, so I thought I'd mention them on the podcast. But if you use DFSN or DFSR on Windows Server, there's a survey they would like you to take. And also another one if you're using Windows Autopilot. So if you'd like to help shape the direction of those products, by all means, take some time to complete the surveys. A quick shout out and a congratulations to all new and renewed Microsoft MVPs. And finally... Finally, to wrap up the news, kind of a news item, not really, but I wanted to share a non-technical podcast that I've been loving recently as a good escape from IT since I've been putting in particularly long days over the last few weeks and I've been listening to a lot of news and podcasts related to COVID-19, economics, and current politics, and this podcast was a nice little escape from that too, a nice little decompressor. It's a group of guys from my hometown who have been doing tournament-style brackets for various topics like best 80s movies, for example, with a live chat feature in Mixler for audience participation. It's a lot of fun. If you're looking for something to listen to that won't increase your blood pressure, this is a really great distraction and can be easily listened to while you work or exercise. It's called the Alleged Wrestling Podcast's B-Show, and I'll share a link to one of the more recent episodes the 80s movie competition. Just throw it on and it's a nice casual listen and I think you'll enjoy it. And now, for this episode, a weekly webinar. There's an upcoming webinar that will help you to learn how you can create a more secure and functional modern managed Windows 10 experience with Citrix Workspace through Citrix Endpoint and Policy Pack. You learn how you can rapidly onboard, secure, and manage Windows 10 endpoints, applications, and browsers that your modern workspace users need to work securely, compliantly, and effectively. They'll also cover how Citrix endpoint management gets supercharged beyond the native capabilities of either UEM or group policy to deliver custom operating systems, applications, and user settings that strengthen security and improve user experience. And you can register for that today, and it will be taking place on Thursday, July 9th 
at 2 p.m. Eastern or 11 a.m. Pacific. And now, this episode's scripts, tricks, and tips. This week, Tom Hickling shared a really great training resource for Windows Virtual Desktop. If you are not fortunate enough to have access to Azure credits, this could be the perfect substitute and first step to learning it in a guided manner for free. You may be familiar with this platform. They have some other products on there like SCCM. I believe they used to have AbbVie in the past. I actually used to spend quite a lot of time when I was uh, without kids and single just doing these courses and racking up the points thinking that I'd get some like little internet high fives and kudos for having a lot of points. I've subsequently stopped that as I built up my own home lab. But now with experience and knowledge being so coveted in these cloud platforms that you might not necessarily get exposure to in your day job, something like this could be very beneficial. So I'll share a link with this episode again, which is episode 131 on 5 And you'll find it under reference links right at the top of the page. Thomas Maurer shared a blog post on running Windows Admin Center on Windows Server Core for those who like to keep things nice and light. Essentially, it can be installed silently from the command line on Core and then leveraged for some of your UI needs. And finally, the VDI guys on GitHub have shared a great script for automatically applying the recommended optimizations for Win10 VDI according to Microsoft's official recommendations document. So if you're doing Windows 10 VDI, there's a lot of optimization packs out there, but this is the official Microsoft recommendations, so definitely worth checking out. And that's it for another episode of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening.